Hey, welcome to a gluten-free podcast, the show where we'll be exploring all things gluten-free. I'm your host, Ben. Whether you have celiac disease like me, you're gluten-free for other reasons, or you just want to learn more about the gluten-free diet, then this podcast is for you. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to a gluten-free podcast. This is a weekly show where I talk to people about some really helpful and inspiring things that they're doing in the gluten-free community, while also sharing my own story of having celiac disease and living life gluten-free. Before we get into the episode today, I would like to take the time to acknowledge the land on which I'm currently recording this episode on right now, where my family and I have the privilege to live on every single day. This is, was, and always will be Gundangara country. And the Gundangara people are the true custodians of this land. I would like to pay my respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging, and acknowledge the stories, traditions, and living cultures of all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Also, I am not a health professional in any way. I speak to a lot of health professionals on this show and they share some really helpful advice and tips, but please always remember when you're going to make any changes to your own health or your diet, always seek out your own personal medical advice before making any of those changes. All right, so let's get into today's episode. So today is my first Q&A episode. I was actually planning on maybe doing this live, but I thought, you know, with my two little girls at home, (laughs) I've literally just popped one down for a sleep. The other one's watching a movie right now with my wife. Uh, Timing can be super difficult with these sort of things. So I just have to kind of record when I can. Um, And that goes with, you know, the same with guest episodes. I just sort of cram it in, in between everything else that's going on. So I asked a question. I put a question box up on my Instagram page, A Gluten-Free Family, the other day, just asking if you have any questions about the podcast in general, Um, if you have any questions about previous episodes, guests that I've had on, uh, or themes or topics that you'd like me to cover on the show. And I had some uh, great suggestions and questions come through, so I wanted to go through a few of those right now. Okay, so the first one is from Tracy4341, and her question was, do you really need to buy two separate toasters? My daughter is newly celiac. We eat gluten-free. So, Tracy, the first thing I would tell you to do is to go back and listen to the special I've just done. I've just released... there's four parts to it, and I think that you would find in part one, two, and three, those episodes... Uh, share some insights into how parents have dealt with the celiac diagnosis of their kids, the ins and outs of that. Uh, I think that that would be a really helpful resource for you just to hear how other parents have gone about the celiac diagnosis of their kids. As I talk about in the special, our kids are not diagnosed with celiac disease. So look, they have a, a chance of developing it in the future as I live with it, obviously, Um, And so I'm coming from it from a parent's perspective, but I guess this points to a bigger question of whether you will have your house as 100% gluten-free for your daughter who is newly diagnosed or whether you're going to have a shared kitchen space uh, with gluten in there. And so I actually covered this in part two of Children with Celiac Disease, the special, uh, and I outlined 
some guidelines that Celiac Australia have on their website. And I can also put that link in the show notes for you so you can easily find that uh, on their website. It's really helpful. They have some great ideas around um, not only avoiding cross-contamination with sandwich presses and you know toasters and that sort of thing in the kitchen, but also how to avoid cross-contamination in general. So I'll put that link in the show notes for you. I think that that will be really helpful. But from our perspective, what my wife and I decided to do when I was first diagnosed was to basically have nearly an entire gluten-free kitchen because... I started to get into cooking and baking a lot more with my wife and we've always sort of shared that load. Recently, it's been a lot more by my wife. (laughs) Um, But in general, we try to share the cooking and baking load a lot. And for that reason, I am so clumsy at the best of times. So I would just go and reach for something that probably contained gluten or, you know, just do it without even thinking about it and just eat it. And then I'd figure it out after the fact and just be in a world of pain. So um, we just decided to go, you know, nearly 100% gluten-free. My Both my girls still have gluten and my wife still eats gluten as well. They have their wheat bix, they have their porridge, and they have some other gluten-containing treats and other things just in the bottom of our cupboard. Uh, and that's separated from everything else in the pantry, which is all gluten-free. Uh, everything else is gluten-free. Most of the stuff that goes in the fridge, other than, you know, if the girls have leftover porridge or wheat bix or something like that in the morning, everything in there is gluten-free just so that we're not mixing and matching. And, you know, I'm sure any parent knows this with kids. It can be so messy. You know, it's not like adults where we sit down, we eat a meal and, you know, we're clean about it <laughs> with kids. A lot of the time they're spilling things, their forks are flying everywhere, uh, especially when they're, you know, really young, when they're babies and toddlers, um, food is just flying everywhere and it's getting to all, you know, it gets into all parts of everything uh, and you have it all over your clothes and, you know, they spit it and, you know, it, it, it's a messy business feeding kids. So that's a big reason why we did that. Look, the other option is for you to get toaster bags. I have never tried that personally. I just kind of think that that is uh, a lot of hassle, but I do know that a lot of people supply toaster bags. I know that you can get them online. I think Celiac Australia also sell toaster bags and there's some other companies out there that sell them. You can get them for fairly cheap. Uh, And that just protects your gluten-free bread from coming into contact with any other, you know, gluten-free, gluten, sorry, containing crumbs in the toaster. So basically entirely up to you, whether you want to get a separate toaster, just make sure if you do get a separate toaster, by the way, that you're keeping it far enough away from the gluten containing one, because depending on what sort of toaster you have, you know, they can pop up and... Even when you're getting a bit of toast out, you know, crumbs can fall onto the gluten-free one. Uh, So just keep them separated. Just make sure that you keep them separated. Um, And there's a whole bunch of other cross-contamination issues that you should definitely listen to in part two of Children with Celiac Disease. I tried to cover that as quickly but as effectively and as concisely as possible. It was hard, but I I covered the main sort of fields of cross-contamination in that. So I hope that that helps. And Tracy, just a massive welcome to your daughter, to the celiac and gluten-free family. 
The next question comes from Moto Celiac, and this listener has been listening for a while to the podcast. So thank you so much for your ongoing support, and thank you for this question. It's a great one. Silent Celiacs, how do we manage when we don't know if we are getting it right? And I know that this listener is actually one of those, a silent celiac or what we would call asymptomatic, or in other words, not showing any symptoms Uh, related to your celiac disease when you ingest gluten. So this one is a super tricky one. I've had a few people on the show who have been asymptomatic or who have had children who have been asymptomatic. Uh, Mary Ann from the Southern Highlands, who I interviewed on the special on children with celiac disease, she talked about her daughter being asymptomatic, not displaying any symptoms uh, of celiac disease until they put the celiac disease screening onto her on one of her regular blood tests and it came back that she had celiac disease. And uh, this is an extremely tricky one. And I would like to speak to someone more in depth about this because I guess it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Um, Not displaying any symptoms. You wouldn't know when you are ingesting gluten because you're not displaying any symptoms at all. Um, So do you take it less seriously or do you take it even more seriously because you don't know when that damage is being done so a lot of people that i have spoken to have voiced their opinion on this and the majority say that you know they would rather have symptoms uh, alongside their celiac disease so they actually know when they have ingested gluten and then they can know oh, okay, that restaurant didn't work out for me. I got cross-contaminated from that. I mean, it's hard enough at the best of times, even when you do have symptoms, to know exactly where you ingested gluten from, but to not know whatsoever and to just be like another person out there without celiac disease, but you do actually have celiac disease. You're You're just not displaying the symptoms when you ingest gluten. It's a tricky one, very, very tricky one. So perhaps it would be good to chat to someone uh, professionally, you know, in the medical profession to know uh, how to go about that. I don't know if I should speak to more of a sort of food psychologist or whether I should speak to someone more in the um, physical medical realm. Uh, yeah, definitely a topic that I would like to get way more into. So great, great question. Um, very good question. And perhaps it would be interesting to see both sides of it. So someone who is extremely you know, symptomatic uh, versus someone who doesn't display any symptoms whatsoever, asymptomatic. So yeah, thank you for the question. Definitely something I'll look into and um, yeah, I would like to cover that for sure. So the next question comes from Amelia, no gluten. Do people in the community want more social opportunities with people that understand them? Quick answer, yes. (laughs) I'll put my hand up right now, hence why I started a podcast uh, so that, you know, it was during COVID so that I could connect with other people that did have celiac disease. And the whole reason why I started this podcast, I say it all the time, is because I felt alone uh, thinking that this disease was rare. Um... And not really having any idea about any of the follow-up care, the the lifestyle changes that I would have to make, how careful I'd have to be, uh, transitioning to a gluten-free life in general, you know, changing 
my whole lifestyle, basically, my whole entire life at 31 years old. I mean, that was, um, I mean, I'm still finding it tricky. Uh, and But to have a group and a community around you, to know that you have that community to lean on and to share stories with others are uh, super powerful. It's it's massively powerful when you can see someone who is going through something really difficult and you're going through a similar struggle and to see that person come out the other side, uh, you know, as a more stronger and resilient person because of that struggle that they've been through, that's massively powerful. And that's, you know, why I have listened to podcasts in, I, I've just been a massive podcast fan uh, because of that reason to hear someone go through something that you have been through or something similar and you can identify with that and you feel connected to that person. And anytime that I, you know, speak to someone on the podcast here as a guest, or I just chat to people online, or if I meet them in person at a cafe or a restaurant and we talk about that they're gluten-free or they have celiac disease or that they have a friend or family member who has celiac disease, there's that common you know, common struggle that you, that you face and something that you live with and you can share stories and tips and advice. And I think that that is uh, so powerful. I mean, in anything in life, you know, to find someone who's going through something in common, you know, it's huge. And that's how we connect as humans. So yes, a hundred percent, the more, you know, social opportunities that people can have to connect with people in this community, I think can only be a good thing. So yeah, please let us know if you're organizing a catch-up or if you're organizing some sort of event or something uh, for, or for anybody out there as well uh, listening right now, if you know of any you know, catch-ups or events or anything or organizations or um, businesses that, that do that sort of thing, that organize catch-ups for people with celiac disease in the gluten-free community, let me know and I'd love to have them on the show and I'd also love to just you know, come and <laughs> come and come to one and uh, come and meet more people with celiac disease and those who are gluten-free. So yeah, uh, great question. So the next question comes from Celiac GF Allison. Uh, she has been a long time listener of the show and a massive uh, supporter. So yeah, thank you for this question, um, Allison. So her question is maybe an in-depth conversation on mental health aspects of living with celiac disease. Yes, yes, 100% yes. I So I have talked to a few guests about this, um, about the mental health impacts of having celiac disease and both, you know, pre-diagnosis, uh, those symptoms that you display pre-diagnosis that a lot of people display before they get diagnosed and also post-diagnosis navigating gluten-free life and the impact the impacts that that has on you um socially mentally uh it's it's huge and it's it's a big field and it's a very uh not controversial but it's a very touchy subject because i know that you know mental health speaking about mental health these days it's a lot better than it used to be but i think it's still such a tricky thing to talk about because people go about you know seeking out professional help 
um, if they do seek out professional help for mental health in different ways. You know, some people talk to their social circle or they speak to people, you know, friends or family, and they feel that that's enough to get things off their chest and they don't feel like they need to go and speak to a health professional. And look, everybody is in a different position. And uh, personally, I have gone and spoken to, you know, a, um, a psychologist a few times and I actually need to go back. I've put it off for quite a while, but some things have come up in my life that I would definitely like to go back and speak to a psychologist. And a lot of that is to do with, I believe with, you know, with celiac disease and the gluten-free diet. And, um, and there's, there's just a lot of changes that you need to make to your life when you are diagnosed with celiac disease. And I, I encourage everybody now, if they haven't been screened for celiac disease, to go get screened for celiac disease, especially if they are struggling mentally, if they are struggling with their mental health. You know, it's just one thing that you can rule out and you can just, you know, cross that off the list. Okay, but at least I tried. And, um, you know, if people are struggling with their mental health that much, if it is simply a diet that you need to change, I know that it isn't just simply a diet. It is much more complicated than that. And I discuss that all the time on this podcast, but not to get too off track with this, but it's it's a complicated thing to talk about mental health in general. So look, yes, I want to cover it more. I have covered it with guests a few times and I've also covered my own um, mental health journey. And I want to do more of that. I actually did record a gluten-free thoughts episode on this, on this particular issue of mental health. And I haven't put it out there yet because for this very reason, you know, uh, and this is a whole other problem that probably needs exploring is that people are hesitant to talk about it. It's hard to talk about your mental health uh, at the best of times, to be completely honest. When someone asks how your mental health is, it shouldn't be an awkward thing to talk about, but it still is a bit of a stigma. I think especially amongst men, I think uh, women do find it a bit easier to talk in general about emotions, about feelings. For guys, you know, I'm just talking in general. I still feel a bit awkward to talk to my male friends and male people in my family about my mental health. Sometimes it's a necessity and I just have to talk about it, but it can feel awkward a lot of the times, not only about for you talking about your own mental health, but how it will be received on the other end. And worrying about the other person feeling awkward receiving <laughs> the um, how you're explaining your mental health. It's a very strange thing. But look, yes, I do want to definitely get perhaps a psychologist on the podcast to speak at some point. Uh, and I would love to you know, speak to someone more in depth about their mental health journey with celiac disease. Because there's so much to it. Uh, there's different aspects of how it physically manifests in our bodies and how inflammation, which Dr. Fasano, I did a, um, you should listen to my podcast with him. It was an incredible interview, a two-parter uh, that I did a couple of months ago with him. And he is so knowledgeable about this. But I think that it just kind of, we just, sort of covered a tiny bit of what is such a massive issue and that there is inflammation that goes into the brain when people with celiac disease ingest gluten. Uh, it's a whole, 
whole field that needs exploring. And yes, 100%, I will get someone onto the podcast to talk about that. So the next question is from Imozen or Imazen. I can't quite pronounce that. I'm sorry, <laughs> but it is I-M-O-Z-Z-E-N. And their question is, any tips for sharing a kitchen with people who eat gluten? P.S. Thanks for doing the podcast. Thank you, Imazen. Yeah, so I suppose we covered this sort of in that first question that Tracy put to us, you know, do you really need to buy two separate toasters? My, who's, you know, she had a daughter who uh, is newly diagnosed with celiac disease. So again, it kind of, yeah, goes back to that bigger question of if you are making your kitchen 100% gluten-free or not, and if you're going to have a shared kitchen. Um, it sounds like, Imazen, you want to uh, share a kitchen with people who eat gluten, um, or, or you're in that position where you kind of have to. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, whether you're flatting with other people, whether it's a shared house sort of set up or, um, you know, whether it's with family or friends or, or whatever it may be. Yeah, I would love to get someone on who perhaps has been in that position where they have, you know, um, had to be around a lot of people who are making gluten and that have a shared kitchen and perhaps to the nth degree as well, because I think that that would be a really interesting look at uh, when there's a ton of gluten around and you're the only gluten-free person and you have to look out for yourself. I think that they would perhaps have some lived experience around that. I am sorry that I can't uh, really share any advice around that. You know, we've been for trips away, but it's mostly been with family. I have been, you know, with people who have been making gluten in the kitchen, but I just sort of haven't needed to to eat or I've brought my own food or they have catered for me gluten-free at, you know, wherever that kitchen is. So I can't speak from personal experience with this, but I would love to get someone on the podcast who has, perhaps who's has been at, uh, at uni um, or been flatting in a share house or something with others and had to navigate, you know, being the only gluten-free person. Um, within uh, a shared kitchen. I think that that would be a really interesting insight and perhaps, yeah, get someone on who has really lived that and who has that experience. So look, that is uh, that is the last question and I hope that was uh, uh, positive <laughs> and, uh, and helpful listen for the first Q&A. I hope that I answered all your questions well enough and concise enough. I know that I can get off track a fair bit uh, at the best of times. So I, um, I hope that I did a good job for the first Q and a, I'm sure that I will just get better each time I do it. Just like anything, um, like anything I've done on this podcast, you know, the more that I do it, I get better at it. So yeah, thank you for all your questions and thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It truly is uh, mind blowing to me that I have listeners in so many parts of the world, all around the world. Um, so thank you so much for tuning in wherever you're tuning in from. Uh, I hope that you're gaining, you know, a lot out of this podcast. I really do put so much work into it and, um, it's great to just hear that you're listening and sharing it with others. And if you can leave me a rating and review, that is always the way that you will help this show grow. Uh, it doesn't take any time at all, but it helps this show grow massively and just helps me continue to make this show for you. So 
thank you so much for listening to today's episode, the first Q&A for a gluten-free podcast. And I'll be sure to ask more questions on Instagram. So make sure that you're following me on there. We're a gluten-free family. So many more cool interviews coming up. I can't wait for you to hear all this stuff I've got organized for the podcast. Uh, I've got many ideas. They're always coming to me. Um, But I just want to make this show as accessible and as helpful as I possibly can for you. So thanks so much for listening and I will see you back here next time. Thanks so much for taking the time to join me here on a gluten-free podcast. If you're enjoying it and think someone else would too, please share it with them. Also, I'd really appreciate you giving a rating and review on whatever podcasting platform you're listening on. You can find me on Instagram at a.gffamily or send an email to aglutenfreefamily at gmail.com. I'll add all this info in the show notes. Until next time, bye for now.